This week we will discuss... And a light. What? Like Dave Matthews' satellite, but and a light. You really are stuck in 1994. Jesus Christ. So are the Animorphs. <laughs> Great. Hello there. Grab yourself a chair and sit around the campfire while I share with you Circle Yerk, an Animorphs podcast that's been in my family for generations. His father, my father, passed it down to me, and his father before. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah, what is this bit? Also, it's like you hard coming up with one of these every week. <laughs> okay, so you just decided to do like some weird Tennessee transatlantic accent and. Do, like, a campfire skit? I've been doing, like, weird openings. We had the radio guy. We had... Yeah, this was... This takes the cake as the weird one. What do we do here on Circle York, Johnny? Well, Circle York is an Animorphs podcast where you read the books, I have not read them, and you recap them to me and I remember nothing between episodes. Should I have another very original Animorphs joke? Okay. You'll recall Yolandi Visser going over so well. <sighs> Did it go that well? What do you call an Andalite controller from South Boston? I don't know. What do you call him? Wicked Visser, kid. Please leave. You're fired from this podcast. I will leave, but first, I have some questions for you. I can't wait. Shani, what animal communicated with Cassie to save Marco? A whale? A whale. A humpback whale. Very good. Oh. Shawnee, what fashion accessory was Tobias sporting? Mm, a fashion accessory? Like a fashion accessory that you think is a fashion accessory or like an actual fashion accessory? Whichever. Maybe it was like a jaunty scarf. I would love to see that image of Tobias with a scarf. Just saying. No, he was wearing a watch that Rachel oh, right, right. put on his leg. How did the Animorphs end up finding the sunken Andalite dome ship? They swam to it. You got... I'm correct! I'll take it. No, you got me on a technicality. <laughs> what I was looking for was that the whale beamed the location into Cassie's mind when she was a dolphin. If you answer this next question correctly, you get a point. If you answer it incorrectly, you lose all your points. How many points do I have? I'm pretty sure I'm already in the negative, so... What was... The new morph that the Animorphs required in the previous episode. Dolphins. Shani, that is incorrect. We received the dolphin morphs two episodes ago. Oh, come Last on. Last episode, they got the seagull morph. <sighs> and final question, what did the Animorphs want to do when they turned into dolphins? Go to the mall. <laughs> well, you're kind of right. They wanted to have fun, play. Oh right. oh, right, because we had, like, the funny interstitial where it's like the world is collapsing around them, and they're like, let's play ball. Exactly. Today, we'll be discussing the ending of The Message, that is the fourth book in the Animorph series by K. Applegate. When we last left the kiddos, they morphed back into humans from their dolphin morph inside an airlock in an Andalite dome ship. 
Ooh, right. I remember this. The doors began to open into a wide area that was almost like a giant park with blue grass, trees that looked like giant stalks of broccoli and asparagus. So they just look like trees. You point to an earth tree that looks like asparagus. Come on. I'm sure there's one. Probably. Probably in Arizona. You let you let an asparagus grow long enough, it looks like a tree. <laughs> uh, there was a small lake in the middle with green, transparent crystals growing out of it. And they were about to step into this dome-covered field when they all lost consciousness and fell to the ground. Which Uh-oh. brings us to this current moment. Yeah. Cassie opens her eyes. She's laying on her back. And she sees the sea above her over the dome. She turns her head. And Marco screams at what he saw, and she hears a voice inside her head. Do not move, the voice says. I stunned you to see what you are. If you move, I will destroy you. I love how these evil characters, these villains, are always, like, telling their plans to the kids. Like, you just just keep it quiet, and then it's like, if they move, just kill them. Why do you assume this is an evil character? Because they're in an enemy ship. The Andalites are their enemies? I assume that the Yurks and the Visser, the hork have taken it over. Okay, that's valid. No, this is not an enemy. They look up and they see the second Andalite they have come in contact with. Uh, he's the delicate body of a lower deer, but with a strong upper body, like a centaur, or more accurately, a servitor. Mm-hmm. He has hands that have too many fingers on the ends. Wait, what is... Wait, 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 wait. Too many fingers? Too many fingers. But More the, than five is too many. What are you going to do with those extra fingers? I don't know. Well, that's that's <laughs> Wait, but like that's such, that's such a stupid thing to say, like too many fingers, because it's like Disney characters only usually have four, you know? Is that too few? Uh, it's very yeah. it's very human-centric in this uh, alien-focused story. It is. It is very, uh, yeah, they get canceled for the way they describe. Uh, yeah, Cass is going to have to go on. TikTok, make an apology video. YouTube. You, I'm sorry. YouTube is where you do your apology videos. If much, I said YouTube, longer. you would have been like, oh, that's so three years ago. No. I had two large eyes on his head and two other eyes on stocks on the top of his head. Little slits where a nose would be and no mouth. Oh, and by the way, a giant, deadly, bladed tail. I remember this. And... He was pointing a Dracon beam directly at Cassie. See, I told you he wasn't a nice guy. Well, he's being careful. See, these humans show up in his ship. Marco uh, and the rest of the team wake up, and he looks and goes, Oh, please tell me that's a real Andalite and not Visser 3. <laughs> the Andalite reacts swiftly to this. He strikes his tail towards Marco, just stopping right in front of his face. And he's like, Don't you say that fucker's name in front of me. Ooh, is it like Voldemort? I'm sorry? Is it like Voldemort? You can't say the name? Oh, uh, in a sense. In, in the, like, he is the person that I, I I hate. He's my enemy. He inspires fear. We're not even going to say that fucker's name. Yeah. yeah, so it's Voldemort. Similar. Well, Vol- uh, he who can't be named kind of became Voldemort's title after a while. Like, that kind of became his name in a weird way. Yeah, but, I mean, it's the same principle. Yeah, but Marco shuts the fuck up. He's like, okay, because you got a trick on beam. Mm-hmm. Cassie, being the peacekeeper of the group, steps in and says, we're friends. The Andalite's like, I don't know who the fuck you That's are. That's not how friendship works, Cassie. <laughs> well, she says, I got your message. We're here to help you. 
he's very confused by this. He's like, how did you? Yeah, Cassie get and my me message? both. Right. What are you? She's yeah. like, I'm a human. He's confused. He said, I, I called out to my Andalite cousins. How did a human get my call? Because they touched the box in the first book. Very good. But she's like, I don't know. Me and a friend heard it in our dreams. We figured it was an Andalite. He's like, the fuck do you know what an Andalite is? You're a human. You haven't even been off this planet. My older cousins, they taught me about humans. And you guys haven't left Earth yet. Yeah. Also, um, they touched the box is the name of like an artsy porno. <laughs> Just saying. Cassie uh, responds, uh, we met another Andalite. We were with him when he was killed. He's what an intro. Yeah. We were there when he died. Well, he's not buying this. He's very careful. He goes, Oh yeah, what's the name of this Andalite you claim was killed? Oh my god, does someone remember the really, really long name? No, she actually's like Prince Elfangor something something. And the Andalite twitched, visibly disturbed by this. He said, No one can kill Prince El Prince Elfangor. He's the greatest warrior ever. Bitch, I got some news for you. Well, this is also when you start to realize, like, he's the greatest warrior ever. No one can kill him. And before, when he's like, my cousins taught me this, you're like, oh, this is a kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jake. Jake's like, we were with him there at the end. And Jake says... He died because of us. Just say that. Well, Jake said... Uh, he's at... Yes, Jake. Who killed him? And Cassie was like, you, you told us not to say his name, remember? <laughs> so, this Andalite is bummed out and reveals Elfangor was my brother. Oh, I really wanted to say dad, uh, him to say dad. But he asks, did he die well? Did he die in battle? Sort of. But I'm like, okay, this is cool. Now we're getting a bigger picture of Andalite society. This is not what I was expecting, that they're like some kind of warrior race, some sort of like viking slash klingon society like die well in battle with honor yeah like, which is kind of neat like i just got the impression that they would be more peaceful like pacifist and they had like the technology i don't know i just didn't expect them to be like he died in battle with great honor for well, less way but it's if they've they've been like if if they've been in essentially in at war with the Hork Bajir, the, the Yurks, or the or the Yurks, they would have to be a warrior race. Not at all. There are lots of places on Earth that have been at war for ages where you don't have a, a warrior race. Yeah, but Jake says he died protecting us. He fought hard until the very end he leaves out the part that he got like ripped up apart and gobbled by taxons but a nice moment of tact from jake this uh andalite says my brother was a great warrior my cousins loved him his enemies feared him nothing more can be said of any andalite warrior and jake <laughs> what i love the fact that it was like my cousins loved him like, that's, like, a very specific thing. They bring... I, I don't know if cousins means, like, cousins or if it's, like, familial members. But Jake uh, relates to him and says, I lost a brother, too, in a way. He's he's one of them now. He's a wow. controller. Wow. Way to make it all about yourself, Jake. I get trying to relate to this to this uh, Andalite. 
uh, the Andalite looks at Jake, and Jake says, we, we fight the Yurks. And the kid's impressed. He says, with what weapons? Cassie says, the one your brother gave us. The power to morph. And he goes, what the fuck? Yeah, he's shocked. He's like, that is never done. That's weird. Yeah. And Marco's like, hey, so the Yurks know you're here. They're up on the surface right now. This is nice and all, but let, like, let's let's get the hell out of here. Thank you, Marco. The Animorphs, however, they're pretty tired from all the morphing, all the traveling and swimming. So they decide they're going to take a short rest before escaping. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? Apparently morphing takes a toll. I understand that, but they're just going to take a fucking nap? The story needs them to rest a bit. <laughs> Not the... nap. Not nap, but take a little exposition exposition tour okay. through the dome ship. If there's one thing Andalites are good for in this series, it's exposition. Excellent. So Rachel's like, "What? what is this dome? He explains that the Andalite ships are kind of, they're shaped like mushrooms. So like the ship part of the ship is the bit on the bottom. The stem? Yes. And the dome is on top. And that's where the Andalites can roam around. And, and that's kind of their home. They take a bit of their home with them. Mm -hmm. During the battle above the planet, the stem part of the ship took fire. And they detached the dome part, kind of like the Enterprise D in Encounter at Farpoint. Yes, everyone knows that fucking reference, Barry. Thank People you. that listen to this podcast will know that reference. Yeah, okay. It turns out that the warriors all went to the ship shacks. Sip. I can't say this. Ship section. Warriors went to the ship section to fight. It's hard to say. But this Andalite was too young. According to Andalite law, he couldn't be a warrior. So they left him up in the dome while they took off incredibly on aerodynamic shape for a ship. Do you need to be aerodynamic if you're in space? There's no oxygen. There's no friction. I just don't think it's very, it's a very good shape. Too phallic? No, it's not even phallic. Like, what kind of dicks have you seen? Like a mushroom, it's like a stem and then a big cap. We're talking about something that's shaped like a long, like a shaft with a dome on top. And okay. you don't see... If your dick is shaped like an actual mushroom cap, you need to see a doctor. <laughs> so, Axe was too young to fight. He was in the dome section when the ship separated. And he saw the rest of the ship burn. In fact, the dome section's engines were hit by the Dracon beams... And it fell into the ocean, where he's been for, and I quote, many weeks. Many of your Earth weeks. No, he says many weeks. And I'm like, how are we supposed to know what kind of weeks he's talking about? Yeah. He doesn't specify. Earth so, weeks? Andalite weeks? I don't know. So he's in the dome part. Which is now in the ocean. Got it. Got it. Okay. He said that's when he decided to put out a mirror wave call, which sounds awesome. Okay. Rachel asks him about the call, but he stops and says he's not allowed to share Andalite technology. He said if he did, his brother will be, or would have been, angry with him. Yeah, but his brother broke the rules first, so it's fine. You can do it. It's like it's like the forever rules where it's like all the shit that the older siblings do, the younger siblings gain the power to do that. Like in the like in a family dynamic, because. 
if they got to do it, you gotta gotta let the younger siblings do it as yeah. well. Oh yeah. I, I also like though how like the Andalites have their own version of Star Trek's Prime Directive. Mm. Basically, are you familiar with the Prime Directive? Uh, yeah, and it's it's kind of like in the same way that like, well, Kirk kind of fucked it up all the time, but yeah. that doesn't mean that you know the rest right. of the people are, have permission to do that. Yeah, I mean, speaking of things with whales, Star Trek Four was nothing but one giant breach of the, the Prime Directive. Yes, but... go into that in this Animorphs <laughs> podcast. So back to the Dresden Files. So back to Animorphs. <laughs> Cassie's like, "Well, how many of you are here? How many survive?" And he said, "Just me." And the Animorphs share the same kind of disappointed look with each other, like they were hoping for a crew of Andalite warriors to maybe help them out, maybe lead them, maybe take over the war. But instead, they just get some brat who has never seen battle. Like, not really what they were hoping Wait, for. so everyone in this ship was in the stem part when it broke off. Except for, Except him for this one he was kid. too young. Why was he on the ship in the first place? Uh, take your Andalite to school day? I don't know. <laughs> and a light to work day take your take your take your and a light to war day (laughs) wait so is he gonna become the sixth one the episode title (laughs) yeah cassie uh tells him well we're also legally too young to be fighting in a war but we we have to fight on anyway i love how legalities are now somehow a problem here well she's just saying we relate like you're hey you want to fight but you're too young we're also considered too young in our culture so Cassie's like, I'm Cassie. This is Jake, Marco, Rachel. We also have another friend, Tobias, but he's kind of annoying. So, uh, <laughs> Wait, it, this is all happening in ThoughtSpeak? No. Good question. The Animorphs are speaking. The Andalite is ThoughtSpeaking. Okay. Because the Animorphs can only ThoughtSpeak in Morph. Whereas oh, Andalites have no mouth and cannot speak, which... At the end of this episode will be um, a very interesting point of conversation that, that, that comes into play. Are they going to go for like after war burgers and then the Andalite like eats a burger through his nose? We shall see. I guessed it. I knew it. He says, I am Aximili Escaruth Isthil. Absolutely not. What's his nickname? Yeah, Marco's like, yeah, I know. We're just going to call you Axe, which is cool. Thank you, Marco. Axe asks, who is your prince? Apparently in Andalite language, prince isn't a term denoting royalty. It's a term for a a leader in war. So in book one, where we heard about Prince Elfengor, it was more like like general or warlord Mm -hmm. Elfengor or something like that. If someone came up to you and said, who is... The Prince of Earth. What's your answer? Go. Jesus. An actual being. The Prince of Earth. What would that mean? I, I'm i leaving that totally open. I would say, hi, it's me. Oh my Take God. me to your ship. Oh my what do you God. got for me? Oh my Let's God. talk. You're so bad at this game. Come I'll on. be the prince. Riff a oh. little. Come oh, on. Oh, okay. Says, says the woman that would not uh, accept my scallop morph. Uh, unless I answer 20 other questions now. You, you, now you want a yes and. Oh, okay. Now you need to okay. go. You, need, you really need to see a therapist about the scallop morph thing because you've been talking about it for four weeks now. Like, off You're air. You're kind of a dick. So, uh, does a prince have to be male? 
I mean, if we're just talking in terms of, like, warlords, I guess Zelensky? I don't know, like, because he's, like, a guy that I respect that is, like, leading an army in a war. Wow. Who would be your Prince of Earth? Taylor Swift. Or Beyonce. Oh, yeah, because they're both known for being warriors. Hey, I didn't tell you what the definition of Prince was. Oh, if we're just making up words. Okay. No, I mean, like, who can mobilize a really big group really effectively? Oh, I hate, I hate, I hate that I'm going to say this. Tucker Carlson. No, absolutely not. Who do you think? So if Tucker Carlson says something, if Tucker Carlson and Taylor Swift, if Tucker says everyone wear red tomorrow and Taylor Swift says everyone wear blue, what do you think we'd see? Blue. What do you think we'd see if we went into the nursing homes, though? A lot of people in diapers. But when he asks who the prince is, they all turn and look at Jake. And Jake's like, oh, hell no. Oh, come on. Give me a on. break. I'm not a prince. This is where you throw Tobias under the bus because if he is the if he's the prince, he's going to be the target. And then you can just get rid of him and his stupid ankle watch. Well, Axe turns to Jake and bows and says, I will fight for you, Prince Jake. Until I can return to my cousins. What if you can't return to your cousins? Then we have a sixth Animorph. Describe to the audience what I'm doing. He's uh, turning our little matrix, printed matrix of all the morphs over. Wait, is that the Terminator? That is an Andalite. I can't see that far. Hold on. (laughs) I have no idea what that. That's like, I need a bigger picture. Oh, yeah. I try. I wanted to keep with the Breakfast Club theme, but there wasn't one that, that fit into that. So it looks like we have a sixth member of the group. I hope maybe he goes and finds his way home tomorrow. I have a feeling that is not the case. Yeah. What's cool about this is that, for once, I kind of predicted this one. You did? Yeah, so... Back when we were covering the end of book one in episode four, mm-hmm. when they were at the Yerk pool, they were about to save a couple hork And I mentioned, oh, how cool would it be for them to have an alien buddy? Mm-hmm. I even mentioned, like, I love that group dynamic in things where, like, in Star Trek, you have, like, Data, Spock, Odo. You have that, like, I'm part of the group, but I'm an outsider. Kind of like Anya in Buffy. Or Johnny Quest had that weird statue guy for some reason. (laughs) Or Dinobot in Beast Wars. Wow, these references are getting way too obscure. It's just that they have always been my favorite type of character, that outsider trying to fit in with the group. And I thought that Tobias was going to be that one in the series. But it's nice to potentially be getting that from another character. Again, assuming this all pans out, if like... By the end of next book, he's like, all right, thanks, guys. I will be heartbroken. (laughs) I am in love with Axe. (laughs) So while they're resting, getting ready to morph, they're continuing the tour of the dome ship. Just for shiggles, he points out there's a Darashol tree, which was the asparagus-looking thing. Darashol tree? A Darashol tree. Uh, Naturally. And he points and gestures in a direction and says, we call that the Enos Armarf. Cassie's like, what What are you pointing to? I can't see what you're pointing to. He said, oh, that's the word for when the water of the lake curves forward into the grass when it's framed by Darishol trees. What? 
That's what Cassie says. She's like, you have a word for that? I still don't understand what the even image is, but okay. Right. He says that they have a word for for all these sort of natural things. Shawnee, look at me. Enos Ermarth is the way the lake curves forward into the grass when framed by Darishol trees. That is fucking I'm word going salad. I'm going to repeat that. Enos Ermarth is the way the lake curves into the grass framed by Darishol trees. Are they... Do you get what I'm getting at Are here? they palindromes? No. Oh, okay. This is going to be one of the questions next week. I'm letting you know in advance. Enos Ermarth is the way the lake curves forward into the grass when framed by Darishol trees. Okay. Enos Ermarth is the way that the lake's lake curves into the grass when surrounded by Darishol trees. There's no way you can forget that now. I'm absolutely going to remember, forget that. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, we have a guy from like a warrior-like culture where they believe in things like honor and having you know, good deaths in battle. They have this relationship with nature. They're blue. They have tails. This is where a normal person might think, oh, like Avatar. But since I'm your husband, I thought, oh, like a Sakui. Why Why do you turn it into like, it's because you're my husband, as if I'm the weird one here? Because no other man has read Ruby Dixon. I'm sorry, there's a lot of people on TikTok who've read Ruby Dixon. No other straight man. There's a lot of straight men who've read that book. But he's telling them that they have all different words for all the different ways that the suns and the moon of his planet cast light. And while he's talking about this to Cassie, Rachel's behind him and points and mouths. He's cute. This is not the time to get a crush. I just like... Also, he's got like a fucking weirdo deer legs and a, like a beefy... Like, he looks like a deer who always skipped leg day. With a scorpion tail and like no mouth and weird slits in it, like and I'm that's looking like... at the collection of romance novels all around you with with some taboo topics, and you can't see someone being into that. Oh, but I'm not into paranormal stuff. So, is it paranormal? It's an alien, isn't? Yeah, it's l- just like supernatural. No, that's literally paranormal. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. But, Ice Planet Barbarians, paranormal. Is it, no, it's not paranormal. Yes, mean, it, it. Are you it's going sci-fi? To, are you going to argue with Paranormal's me? Paranormal's Are you go? Are you trying to argue with me about romance book is categorizations? Star Wars, because is Star Wars paranormal. It is paranormal romance because underneath paranormal you get like. Oh, so you're not talking paranormal in general. You're talking about a romance. Yes, book you started. You start. You just you started talking about romance books. Like you really want to argue with me about classifications in romance because you are going to lose, and we will be here for the next four hours, and you're going to regret your entire life. Cassie does not agree that Axe is cute. She she can't get over the stock eyes and the weird tail. Yeah, me neither. But she's surprised that there were no buildings around. Axe tells them it's because they just live out on the plains. It's important for them to have space to run around. Mm. And Jake mentions, oh, being here feels like being on another planet. Axe explains... Wait, wait wow. 
<laughs> feels like being on another planet. It's as if like they had took a microcosm of their own planet and brought it with them. Good job, Jake. They did, yeah. No, I know, but like, well done right. on observing. God. That explains the Yerks' MO to the Animorphs. You see, the Yerks take over a planet and leave it barren. They find hosts and save the food sources for the hosts, but they destroy everything else the world has. Thanks, Axe. We did know this. No, we, we didn't. We didn't know that Earth isn't the first planet they've been to by a long shot. We had oh. no idea. I mean, I thought that we sort of knew what their like goal was. We knew what their goal was on Earth, but we didn't know their, their scope, their reach. They want to make Earth like their homeworld. Yeah. So they'll destroy as many plants and animals on Earth as possible and keep only the bare necessities to keep the host alive. So, like, they'll save all the chickens so they can have cacciatore, but they'll kill <laughs> most of the other animals. Now, I'm no scientist... But I don't think biospheres work like that. Like in the real world, we're freaking out because bees are going extinct. So I don't think you can just go to a planet and kill most of the life and think it'll be cool. Yeah. Also, like when you kill off one part of the ecosystem, you're probably eventually going to just erode the other parts and they will die off eventually. Right. Like we're here in the real world worried about like invasive beetle species Invasive, yeah, yerks, invasive yerks, lionfish in Florida. Yeah, yet the Yerks think, like, killing 90% of the planet won't, like, they can still survive. I don't know. I need to turn off my adult brain and remember that this is a kid's book and just keep <laughs> moving forward. So Cassie has a bit of a meltdown when she realizes the, the scope of this and what the Yerks are attempting to do. See, just like Rachel found her resolve to fight by realizing that the Yerks are destroying familial bonds... And Tobias's conviction to fight the Yerks was steeled by the fact that there are other people trapped in bodies against their will. Cassie finds her reasons to fight for, as she would say, Mother Earth's children. Wait, or something dumb like that. Oh, I was afraid that that's literally what she said. No, she she's in it to save the animals. Wow, not the humans, not the right. planet, just the animals. Well, and the planet, yeah, like Earth, not the humans. No. <laughs> yeah, got it. Rachel's like, wow, we knew they took over people's minds. And Axe is like, oh, yeah, that's just like one of their minor crimes. Yerks mm. are world killers. They're hated and feared throughout the entire galaxy. They're a plague that moves from world to world, leaving nothing but desolation, slavery, and misery in their wake. Much like the Republican Party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boom. <laughs> there are only three races left in the known galaxy who still fight the Yerks. And Axe proudly declares, out of those three, only the Andalites can stop them. I feel like the humans are going to stop them. Bold, I can't wait to see. Bold prediction. Well, Cassie describes the pressure she felt at that moment. How, how she felt so cold and so small. Like, it was bad enough knowing that you were just four kids and a bird fighting some aliens that invaded your planet. Mm -hmm. But now you're finding out that these aliens have a vast empire spanning the galaxy. Like, if you thought things were hopeless before, how must it feel now? Mm. The Yerks are really giving Genghis Khan. <laughs> Jesus. Did I get it? Did I do it right? Uh, sort of. Yeah, no cap? <laughs> So I want to know about these other two races, first of all. Like, I want to find out about them. I hope we don't have, like, another furlings situation with SG-1 on our hands here. 
Oh my god, you really need to fucking get your references correct because nobody understands them. Least of all me. If you know about the furlings on SG1, please email us at circleyerk at gmail.com. I look forward to getting zero emails. The Yerks are basically an unstoppable galactic army, but there might be some hope. Maybe the Andalites can make it to Earth in time. The Andalites are on Earth. At least a couple. There's there's one. Well, I mean... And and, and he's he's like a child. Well, you know what? Malala and Greta Thunberg have been very impactful on Earth. That, and they, they were should just be children. the princes. Eh. Cassie asks, well, how long until the Andalites get here? Axe says, maybe one or two of, of your, your Earth, Earth years. Of your Earth years. Oh, my God. See, Alfangor was like, maybe one year. Now it might be double that. Like, by that time, the Yurks can have everyone enslaved. Oh, 100%. Jake is like, wow, five kids against all this? No, four kids and a bird. Well, Axe goes, six, my prince. Ew. Marco's is like, he oh, flirting? Well, six, that's so much better. Is now, he flirting? No, he says I'm part of your team. Oh, maybe. Remember, you... prince is like no, a, no, a... No, I get no, it, I get it. my I think leader in war. Maybe it's just the way that you're presenting it makes me think that he's flirting. <laughs> or maybe you're reading into it. Rachel's like, how is this even possible if the Andalites are so strong and have this advanced technology? How did a bunch of slugs who live in ponds on one world manage to become so powerful? That's a very good question. That's exactly what I was thinking. And Axe says, I'm forbidden to talk about these things. Oh, excellent. I look forward to an expo dumping about two books about that. Well, Rachel's, like, pissed. She, like, narrows her eyes. She's like, wait, you're telling us our world's about to be destroyed, and you're going to keep secrets from us? Yeah. Fuck you. Like, it would be really handy to know that, because I feel like there might be some clues as to how to take them down. Right, that's why Rachel's pissed. And they're not backing down. And Cassie, being the diplomat and sensing the tension, steps in and is like, hey, you know what? That was enough time to rest. I'm ready to morph again. Let's let's get out of here. But here's the thing. If you join a new friend group... This is not how you ingratiate yourself to them. You gotta give a little, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to make new friends. <laughs> what? It's hard to make new friends. <laughs> no, it's like it's like you when you when you meet new people, isn't it? I mean, I mean, I guess he's not human. So but if it's like if okay, if you if you're in a group of people and someone's like, oh hi, tell us state secrets. Yeah, I know. You can't you can't just No, but it's he's asking for their help. So it's like So he should reveal confidential information? Well how he's also a kid. How does he how is it how confidential is it if a kid knows that? I don't know, his cousins told him or some shit. I don't know. Well then the cousins already gave away the secret, so again, like the older the the older siblings already gave I'm sorry, they already gave them the ability to morph. They're basically Andalites, like come on. So they all walk towards the airlock. And Cassie can't get the image out of her mind of of the earth without trees and birds and animals. God, she, she's so crunchy. She shivers. She feels like now she truly knows her enemy. And, as you might remember, a certain post-it note saying, If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. Okay, Sun Tzu. Marco's like, this might be a stupid question, but how are we going to get this guy out of here? Can he even swim? He can morph. Lax mentions that he acquired a sea creature morph from the ocean. He thought that maybe someday he'd have to escape, so he stunned it 
and acquired its morph. Would it be funny if he's just like a little piece of krill? Oh, that would be great. Plankton. <laughs> yeah. Now, I have no idea how he did that with the glass of the dome. Like, did he have it in the airlock? Did he touch it? He went for an afternoon somehow? swimmy. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's not addressed. So we're just going to move past it. Just then they look up and see a cigar-shaped shadow above them and hear a ping, ping throughout the ship. Mm. Marco's like, oh, they're using sonar. Okay. Jake's like, how the fuck do you know what sonar is? Marco's like, um, I saw Hunt for Red October. Did you not see that movie? <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. And again, <laughs> dropping these pop culture references. It's so bad. But still, they couldn't think of anything better than the sleaze troll in the Netherfjord in the first book. I know. I am never getting over that. I feel assaulted by the sleaze troll. But also, like, the hunt for Red October. Like, that's such a random pick. I mean, I guess it came out when this book was, but, like, it's a good movie. I'm not saying that. The pinging sound keeps going, and Jake's like, yeah, morph now, because the dome is starting to crack where it's getting attacked, and water rushes in. Ooh. Axe starts to morph too, but there are huge explosions all around the outside of the dome while the Yerks fire on the ship. Are they being fired on by Kendrona rays? Possibly. Yes, you get points for that. Oh, I wasn't asking. <laughs> they finish morphing. Wait, sorry, say it again. By what rays? Kendrona. Oh. Dracon beams? Drake. I thought you said Dracon. No. You, you did know for a moment in time what Kendrona was. <laughs> Did you forget? Kendrona What's the is, difference between Dracon and Kendrona? Ke- Dracon beams are like the beams from the guns. And Kendrona is like the life force in the Yurk pool. Yes. Okay. Very good. Very good. They finish morphing and they start to swim out quickly. Four dolphins and one tiger shark. Marco approves of the shark morph. While they're swimming away towards the surface... Axe asks them, what sort of hosts are we facing here? What are the Yerks using? Cassie's like, mostly hork and human. And Axe is like, phew, that's good. hork are shitty swimmers. Yerks don't really know much about deep water. There are no oceans on the Yerk homeworld, just like shallow pools. Yes, Yerk pools. Very good. So at this point, nothing can possibly go wrong. Absolutely incorrect. They look up and see Visser Three's blade ship, and they see about a dozen shadows falling from the ship, splashing into the water. Mm. It's the taxons. And Axe is like, Oh, I forgot about those guys. Oops. Apparently taxons are very good in the water. Mm. Axe tells them, I'm getting the feeling that this body I'm in, it wants to fight. Is this true? Is this a creature that likes fighting? (laughs) And the Animorphs are like, oh, hell yeah, go for it. He goes, well, Prince Jake, let's deal with these taxons. And Jake says, yeah, let's kick some taxon butt. (laughs) Okay. I'm loving how 90s this is. It's so goofy. So the taxons are fast, but the dolphins can outmaneuver them. Cassie's not a violent person by nature and, like, has trouble working up the urge to fight. But she realizes that she's fighting on behalf of all the animals on the planet just lean into your dolphin instincts and rape a taxon (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) that's the greatest thing you've said on this podcast i mean the the, the taxon just like 
going back to the, <laughs> the blade ship in shame, just taking a shower. <laughs> no, but oh, it was awful. It, but isn't that like usually when it, when they're when when they've morphed and they're in like a stressful situation, and then the like the animal instincts start to take over. In the animorphs and, universe, dolphins are not rapists. That's the one difference between. We the spent like forty five minutes last episode talking about how dolphins <laughs> are rapists. So. Well, she rams into one of the taxons at full speed. Oh, she rams into... <laughs> with her bottle nose. <laughs> okay. So she, like, when she did it with the shark, she was expecting, like, she hit, like, that hard skin and the shark kind of went away. Instead, the taxon was, quote... Squishy? Like hitting a soggy paper bag with a sledgehammer, and the taxon, quote, burst open like a dropped watermelon. Okay, that's a lot of metaphors in one. And it also brings the official Animorph kill count up to five. Woohoo! Not including, like, all the beings that were on the ship. Again, only confirmed kills. Only, yeah. I think only hand-to-hand, really. Yeah. They actually have the upper hand here. They're slaughtering the taxmons, especially Axe. And once they're done, Jake's like, all right, let's, uh, let's get out of here. So you just basically have to, like, bump them and they just explode? They're fragile. Got it. They go to the surface to get some air. The blade ship is above them. Marco's like, yeah, we, we really should get moving. The initial plan was to swim to a nearby island, quick double morph, go from there. So they head for the island. And Axe is like, how do you keep track of how much time you have left? Jake's like, well, sometimes we have a watch. Sometimes we have a bird friend with a watch. But like now we just have to kind of guess and hope for the best. And this is where Axe tells them, that he has the most incredibly convenient superpower ever of being able to precisely keep track of time. Of Earth hours. About any time. Hmm. The way they do this is is really... So he tells them, we've used 30% of the safe time in the morph. So basically, Axe got introduced as a very convenient, like, deus ex machina plot device. Oh no, we're getting to the deus ex machina. Okay. Cassie does some quick math and is like, oh, 30%. That means we have about one and a half of your Earth hours left. Mm -hmm. So they hear a splash behind them. Something the size of a truck drops into the water and they hear a noise. Womp, womp, womp. They're looking around trying to figure out what's going on. Womp, womp, womp. But Cassie's like, oh yeah, I have echolocation. Duh. Let me just use that. <laughs> so she sends it off into the direction of the noise. Womp, womp, womp. And what comes back horrifies her. Is it the Ocean Gate submersible? No, it's some... The what? The what? Oh, Ocean Gate. <laughs> and they finally like, found it. No, no. That would that would have been crushed up so far that she would not have been able to see it with her echolocation. No, it's something the size of a whale, but moving much faster. Oh, my God. <laughs> so there's this artist... Sync 182. Oh, God. Have you heard of him? No. He did, like, a rap about, like, the kid whose father was... It's... I shouldn't be. I should, it's, it's it's funny. I'm sorry. I shouldn't you be can, You cannot laugh about that right now. Yeah. Yeah. When is this going to air? How many weeks? <laughs> but um, something the size of a whale, but moving much faster than any whale. And it's coming after them. Womp, womp, womp. Far behind her. Cassie sees this thing. It looks like a huge red hump over the water, covered in hundreds of tiny tails, like fish tails. Mm. 
she tells Axe about it, and he's like, oh, that's a Mardrut. Naturally. And he's pissed, because Mardrutes exist on one of the Andalite moons, which means that Visser 3 snuck onto one of his moons. Mm. He's furious about that. But it's this large creature that moves by shooting water out of three chambers behind it. Mm -hmm. Womp, womp, womp. So between the way this creature was described and, and from Googling some fan art, I get this image of like something like a giant heart with a mouth covered in like small fish tails. That's so weird. Yeah, Axe says he never saw one, but he learned about them when he was in school, but he really wasn't paying attention that day. And this causes Cassie to laugh. Like, they had this image in their heads of Andalites as these warriors, but the idea of some Andalite kid, like, sitting in school, not paying attention, was a funny picture to her. It is a like, funny picture. Axe was more like them than she realized. Yeah, I love the fact that they haven't asked anything about, like, him and, like, how he exists in the Andalite world or, like, how old he is or anything. They're just like, okay, we're friends now. They're kind of busy being chased by the Madrid. I'm sorry. They, last episode, earlier in this book, they decided to take a play break as dolphins. So I'm, it, <laughs> no. I could just see Axe, like, Sitting at a desk with like a backwards baseball cap on, like writing one of those S's in a tablet, or like making one of those little paper oh, the fortune little, teller. The, what's it? What's it called? God, fortune teller thing. Yeah, it's um. Why do I think it's called a for, forget me not? But that's not it. No, no, it's a flower. That's flower. Yeah. So womp womp womp. X knows that's not a real Madrid behind them. It's Visser Three. Ooh. He is pissing his pants. Does he have pants? Figuratively. <laughs> but they're like, oh yeah, Visser 3, we fought him a few times. He's like, what? You fought Visser 3 and you live? Womp, womp, womp. Marjut gaining on them, not slowing down. Unlike the Animorphs, who are getting tired and kind of hungry. And a voice enters their head, but it's not Axe. It says, I'm coming for you, Andalites. Hmm. Cassie felt an emotion that she didn't have a lot of experience with in that moment. Something that she was afraid of. Humility? No, no. She thought about what Axe said the Yurks do, and she realized she hates Visser Three. She was filled with hatred. Axe is clearly terrified. He's like, oh, he's going to kill us. Mm -hmm. He killed Elfangor. He's coming after us. He's going to eat us. Cassie's trying to reassure him, but in the back of her mind, she realizes... He's right. The situation is hopeless. Yeah. Like, they're just about at the time limit of two of your Earth hours. There's no islands in sight. They're getting tired and hungry and slowing down. Meanwhile, Visser 3 is gaining on them in a truly Cassie moment. This, uh... <laughs> she thinks to herself, well, if I'm going to die, I don't want to die with hate in my heart. Ew. She doesn't want to give Visser 3 the satisfaction. He doesn't give like, a shit. Yeah, like he's like, oh, I want her to die filled with hate. Like, no. So she clears her mind, and she's like, if she's going to meet the end, she's going to be positive. It's really not time for like 45 minutes of casual yoga. <laughs> well, she starts to think of the good things in her life. She remembers the animals in her barn. She thinks about her family, about Jake. Cassie, come on. She remembers riding the thermals with Tobias. She thinks about meeting the whale. She remembers the whale's song. And she 
let's go for a bit and let's the dolphin instincts take over for a moment sending out several clicks in the direction of where they met that whale she thinks maybe just maybe and sends out a cry for help axe is like yeah we've used up most of our morphing time guys yeah rachel's like i can't swim anymore jake we, we need to turn around and fight jake's like yeah let's do it axe is like but we can't win and jake's like yeah we know but if we're gonna die we'd rather go down fighting wow axe says well that's a very andalite thing of you to say <laughs> are they gonna morph in the water into something else to fight them because they're running out of time with that morph i mean they're gonna die so it doesn't really matter but they don't really have any underwater morphs other than like a trout and it wouldn't really make sense to double morph underwater risk drowning as a human to become a trout but so they're just kind of like resigning themselves that they're about to die and they're just gonna like stick it out as dolphins they're gonna hit this marjuk with their nose a bunch of times and die yes okay so i look forward to them miraculously killing this marjuk in about four minutes well, they stop and they turn to face the Madrug. And Cassie thought speaks to Jake. Jake, I just wanted to tell you. And he goes, I know. Ew. And I threw up in my mouth a little. <laughs> They're 13. This is also the exact same thing that happened last time. Yeah. With, with um, the same like Han Solo like yeah. thing with uh, with Tobias and, and Rachel. Like, don't do the same exact I thing in, in two books in a row. So they turn to face Visser 3. When, very predictably, something huge rises up from the ocean floor beneath the marge root. Whatever could it possibly be, Shawnee? Oh my god, is it the whale? It is the whale ex machina. <laughs> and then a second dark shape comes up. And then more and more. Five whales. All of different species, oddly enough. Mm. And they just give Visser 3 a fucking pounding. They're slamming into him, slashing him with their tails. He's getting his ass destroyed. Ooh. He retreats. What's the size of the Madrut? Uh, really fucking big. Okay. But, I mean, humpback whale. You yeah. Know? yeah, no, 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 those Whales, are big. They, they chase him for a bit as he's retreating, but in the end they just let him take off. And Cassie tries to send them feelings of gratitude. Hmm. Cassie then goes off on some stupid fucking monologue about <laughs> whales having souls and some shit like that. And she feels as if the whales were called upon by the earth itself to protect. No, Cassie, to protect you, Cassie, the sea Cassie, Cassie, the you literally, Cassie, you literally clicked and they came. Stop it. The humpback She's is. She's Delulu. The humpback is near them and Axe tells them they've almost reached the time limit. Cassie's like, this whale will help us. We're, we're tight. They climb on the whale's back as it surfaces. They all morph back into their normal forms. And Cassie lays down on the dolphin's back and falls asleep. In the water? Or is it she just... Okay. What do you think? I'm just Do checking. you think that the whale is in the water and she lays down on its back and falls asleep? Look, I feel like the whale might not feel her and just forget that she's there. And then goodbye, Cassie. It's like the door from the Titanic. <laughs> So she wakes up and she sees the sunset over the shore. They're near where they left off. Jake says, huh, someday, huh? Again, where are their parents? Well, this is a weekend. Yeah. Okay. I forgot that like parents stop caring about their kids on the weekends. 
Cassie, uh, again, waxes philosophical bullshit about the morality of morphing dolphins. Oh my god, Cassie, shut the fuck up. Yeah, she's really on a tear about, oh, should we be morphing intelligent things? Are we going to be like the Yurks? Jake pretty much is like, hey. We're going to die if we don't. We're going to do what we have to. We need to save the planet, so whatever we do is okay. Right. Jake's a ends justifies the means kind of guy. Later on, they're back on the beach. They dig their clothes out of their hiding spot, and Axe is there. He's looking at them quizzically while they put on their clothes. Uh, he doesn't get the whole clothing thing. Got it. Tobias is flying overhead and is like, holy shit, an Andalite. And they're like, oh my God, shut the fuck up, Tobias. <laughs> no, just kidding. They introduce Tobias to Axe, and they tell him, Tobias is a friend of ours. He's kind of stuck as a hawk. And they tell Tobias, this is Elfangor's brother. Axe looks over at them solemnly and realizes... These kids make some sacrifices to, you know, honor his brother's memory, and he respects them. Mm-hmm. They skipped out on P.E. Well, Jake is like, hey, this is great and all, but what the fuck are we going to do with an Andalite? You Cassie's... take him to the mall. Well, Cassie's like, you want that to... Oh, Shawnee? Shawnee. I want a 90s mall montage with the Andalite where they go get him clothes Shawnee. from Express. Shawnee. Is that what's going to happen? You are going to fucking love book five. <laughs> is it? Is it? You the, are going is, to love book five. Is it the cat stole my underwear? Spoiler alert! Book. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that next episode. Okay. But, but the answer to that question directly is yes and no. Okay. And and actually, hang on. On air, I'm going to bring up my notes so far. For the episode, would you please read the highlighted paragraph? I, I hate showing you stuff ahead of time, <laughs> but but please read, please read the notes. This, this paragraph in my notes. I can't imagine this only being a three-part episode. This book is just perfect. You know how we talk about how with certain books or TV shows, you get the deep, dark plot forwarding bit. Or the, the cat stole my panties. <laughs> this is both at once and does it so well. <laughs> yep. I just love how our brains are on the same level. Thank you, Naruto, for that. <laughs> well, I think in Naruto it was a, it was an ostrich on a boat? Yeah, and then there was like, let's find the best ramen in town. <laughs> oh, pervy sage. So <laughs> Cassie's like, hey, you could stay at my farm. After all, we have meadows and fields there and it butts right up against national forest land it's kind of like the dome ship in some ways it's gonna be you know how like when you are when you are um a kid and then you bring like a stray animal home and you're like but mom can we keep him imagine bringing a fucking andalite home (laughs) and you'd be like mom can we keep him and your parents are like we are getting a priest here immediately her her dad (laughs) would see the tail and is like is that is that available in plug form? There's <laughs> a callback. I like that one. Yeah. Marco's like, okay, that's cool and all, but how are we going to get him there? Axe walks over to Cassie, places his hand with too many fingers on her forehead, <laughs> and says, with your permission, but doesn't like give her time to respond. She just feels herself getting a little woozy. And then he went over to Marco and touches his face. And Marco kind of goes into a trance. One by one, Axe acquires the DNA from each of the Animorphs. 
But you, how do you explain like two Rachels bopping around? Well, can we just pause for a minute? Sorry, for an Earth minute. And point out the fact that, like, just a moment ago, Cassie was like, oh, morphing into intelligent creatures is immoral. And, and Axe is just like, yoink, gotcha DNA. <laughs> yeah. But before them, Axe morphs into a human. A human that was, in a way, very familiar to all of them. See, they know he's going to end up naked, so they turn their heads to give him a little privacy. <laughs> they throw him a pair of boxers and a t-shirt from the pile of clothes. When he's done morphing, they turn around and he has, like the shirt where his shorts should be and he's like wearing the boxers on his head that's cute and jake's like uh are you male or female oh my god gender is a social construct jake come on well he goes i chose to be 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 a male male be a male. Are you having a seizure or... Well, his eyes are wide in surprise that there are words coming out of his human mouth. Oh. He says, I chose to be male because I am a male. Is that a good choice? Ch- choice. Choice. What is Cho- your skin color? Choice. That will tell us everything. And then he starts clicking his tongue around. Oh, it's sad but true. Mm-hmm. So they say that he has a um, and this I like. I don't have this in my notes, but I remember they say he had a, a the skim the color of brown sugar that was a mix of Cassie's brown skin and Marco's olive skin. Oh, so he's got like like advanced morphing where he can just take a couple of DNAs and put them in a oh, blender. That's what I was getting to next. I answered too soon. Well, Marco helps him get his clothes on right, and he is a person of medium height, medium build. He has, like, Rachel's blonde hair, but Cassie's curls. He's human. He's, like, got a height somewhere between Marco's and Jake's. He's incredibly mid, is what you're saying. familiar, but strange. He says to them, how do you look around? Look, look, look around, around. And he takes a step forward and falls on his face. What? Jake's like... Has he never morphed into anything before? I don't think so. Jake's like, hey, you you only have two legs now, bud. He's like, ooh, yes, two. Very shaky. Shaky. Oh, my God. This is... Marco goes, yeah, humans are a pretty shaky species, bud. (laughs) Cassie's like, yeah, um, maybe don't talk to anyone on the way home. (laughs) So he is an amalgam. Of all of the Animorphs, which answers a question that we asked in episode one. Apparently, Chimeramorphs are possible. Yeah. It's official. Acquire a couple different things of DNA, morph them together. I hope they go somewhere with this. I would love to see a tiger bear. I would love to see, oh my god, the different parts, that'd be so cool. But but it's a little bit different because it's not like he's got like Cassie's arms and Jake's hair or whatever. It's like, right. it's it's like a blend. Every, it's a blend. It's a Frankenstein, if you will. Yeah. A few of your Earth days later, Axe is in the meadows on the farm, away from prying eyes. Cassie morphs back into a seagull that night and flies to the gardens. There, she morphs back into a human. Next to the dolphin tank. She looks at the dolphins and slides into the water. I think it's so funny. They have a dolphin tank there, but go on. With Ross, Rachel, Chandler, Joey, and Phoebe. Wait, what? And morphs into a dolphin. That's the name of the dolphins? Yes. Oh, good God. You don't remember that. No, of course not. She thought speaks to them. She says, I'll be there for you. 
when the no, rain starts no, to pour. No, kidding, no, no, Jesus, I was about to smack you. No, she's, she goes in and morphs into a dolphin. And what she's trying to do is get permission from them to morph into them. What? She, she wants to explain to them what happened and, and help them understand that it's okay for her to morph into a dolphin. But they don't care. All they want to do is play and dance. So she plays and dances with the dolphins. How is this moving the plot forward? It, it's not. It's closing the book. The book's over. Oh, okay. That's the end of the series. Is her struggling with not being able to get consent from the dolphins. <laughs> and in the end, just realizing... That's how the book play. ends? Yes, that's how the book ends. <laughs> that's so anticlimactic. So let's talk about this book. Dolphin morphs, seagull morphs. Don't give a fuck about that. We have an Andalite buddy now who has a human morph living on the on the farm. What a game changer. Yeah. The possibilities. He's not just an Andalite. He has all the knowledge of an Andalite, and he's not going to share it all with them at once because of these, you know, archaic, not archaic, these, these rules about, you know, what he's allowed to share or not. But Yeah, but the second he opens his mouth, everyone's going to be like, you need to be locked up somewhere. Oh, I mean, just with the Animorphs. He can tell them things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. You are going to love the next episode. There's a whole lot of acts okay. trying to fit into a human society. So, so it is the third rock from the sun. I know uh, we've talked about yeah. this before. Yeah, it's it's great. Okay. Third Rock, uh, Resident Alien, a great series with Alan Tudyk. Did I make a media recommendation? Not yet. I will make one. It is. No, I'm going to make one because I never get to make one. And it is The Third Rock from the Sun, which is a sitcom from the, I want to say like late 90s, early. Yeah, around the same time as Animorphs. Yeah. But it's John Lithgow, Jane Albright. um, God, what I don't remember his name. French Stewart. Yeah. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt was so young. He, He, I think it's like his first role, but they are basically aliens who come to Earth and then they like have to behave. <laughs> cool. And I'll recommend Resident Alien with Alan Tudyk because I can't stand anything with a laugh track. <laughs> what are your What are your thoughts? Honestly, like, I feel like the pacing is a little bit all over the place with all of these books where it's like, it's like action, action, action. And then it's like, we're going to go get some chicken cacciatore or whatever. Like, oh, they better not get chicken cacciatore. That's just for the Yerks. <laughs> but um, I think I, I'm hoping that we get a little bit more depth to some of the characters because I feel like Cassie's like very stereotypical. I mean, they're all archetypes, right? Um, but we've gotten the most like internal struggle out of Tobias. We get a lot of development for Marco's character in the next book, mm-hmm. which is his first uh, POV book that we're going Got to it. experience. And it's, it's great. It's a banger. Okay. Yeah. Well, I can't wait for it. All right. Well, thank you all for listening as we conclude the fourth book in the uh, Animorph series. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. You can always email us at circleyurk at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram at circleyurk. Uh, and those of you who do email us, thank you. I really appreciate the feedback. I uh, could comment on the thread in r slash Animorphs. You can also check us out on circleyurk.ninja for a list of episodes, some information, and share it with your friends. Thanks to Val at Turning Pages Design for your amazing graphics and Max the Yurk. Thanks to Benedict Cupstis for a theme song. Please check him out at fieldguides.bandcamp.com. Until until next time, thanks for gathering around the fire and listening to this 
This old man's tale. It got weirder. It got weirder. Bye. Bye.